You're welcome on in. Fenswell Boxing, Ireland's only boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. And you'll find all our episodes, new and old, www.endswellboxingpodcast.com. You can WhatsApp us, 083351-5250. And of course, you'll find us on all the social media platforms. You're welcome on in. It is, as always, a privilege and a pleasure to be in your ears for this episode. For approximately day 34 of COVID-19 lockdown, where most of the country are doing the right thing. Here's what's coming. Conversation I had with Niall Kennedy a couple of weeks ago in relation to society and things that might be going on on a daily and weekly basis. Because what you said, society does seem strange, all right. There's, I don't know, maybe television or maybe the internet is ruining it a little bit, but we're, we're, we're sort of lost, we're losing the moment. And joining me on this week's episode is an interview you are really, really, really going to enjoy. Roy Sheen is the Thai boxer who's won five Irish senior titles. He's boxed on the Irish scene for the best part of 30 years. He's a phenomenal fella and he's got some amazing stories to tell. Me and Eric lived in the same terrace. Terrible too, whatever you used to call us, but we got up to lots of different. I remember one morning we were supposed to go sparring. I think it was in general. Come, we were in the house. <laughs> we were drinking all that night. He came up and pulled the sofas out of the house. <laughs> I think we, the sofas didn't even get asleep. <laughs> My chat with Roy will be coming in a few minutes' time. Who remembers this one? Bold zig and zag. Dempsey's den. Don't know if my, my my friends up north ever heard or had the pleasure of zig and zag, but many of us that grew up in Ireland came home from school to watch these pair of chancers with Ian Dempsey and then later on then and Ray Darcy. But they were they were really, really good. Don't normally do birthdays, as a rule, but these ain't normal times. So I'm gonna do a couple of shout-outs here today, some real special ones. Top of the hour, top of the pile, Mimi Flynn. Leading the Aussie crew down under is uh, busting moves yesterday, kicking ass and putting a dent in the world supply of vino. So shout out to you, girl. Happy birthday. Dance like no one's looking and have a good one. As best you can. Paddy Gal, my old pal, uh, joined me just before Christmas and gave me one of the better episodes, one of the more enjoyable ones, one of the more real characters you're ever likely to meet and a, and a top fella. Happy birthday to you, my friend. Always great to hear from you. Always great. Always really look forward to that phone beeping when you open it and it's a message from the Patman. So happy birthday to you in isolation. And last but not least, a special happy birthday to the man who captured the hearts of most of the boxing nation over his time in the vest and then later on in the professional game. Paddy Barnes, I believe, is 22 today. Moved a little bit on from the 21st, a little bit less sprightly than he was. But happy birthday to you, Paddy. Congrats on the podcast last week. Really, really, really enjoyed it. And as I said before, putting the link for Paddy's new podcast, which is called Poddycast, or Podcast, I think it's called. Paddycast, sorry, Jesus, I'll get it right eventually. Paddycast. I'll put the links in this episode notes for everybody to enjoy. How's everybody doing? What are we all doing? How are we keeping? What are... What are you doing to pass your days? For me, I got out the episode with Paddy the other day. And again, thanks to Paddy for all his time. And don't forget, Mind Matters Hypnotherapy. Get along there. You'll see the, the link for it in the notes today's episode. Have a look. See how it goes. It's working for me. The odd recording here and there. It's keeping me, as I said to Beck Conley, it's keeping me remotely sane. Just a little bit sane. 
yesterday I have to say was Wednesday just to double check uh, was one of the better days I've had I took the little man himself and we went to the woods nearby I, I would say it's within the 2k radius and we I relived some of the youth I thought I was Hook Finn or Tom Sawyer and we galloped through the woods and made us we found a swing and we swung across a, a drain full of water and part of me kind of hoped I'd fall into it but uh, no, didn't happen. But it was it was it was one of those days where I stopped in the middle of the woods, and here's what we listened to. As I lay there in the grass, in the middle of a little clearing, in the middle of a massive woods, not a soul around us, not nobody near us. You kind of get to thinking, with all that's going on, and with all the chaos, and with all the panic, and with all of everything, you think, this isn't too bad a place to be. It's not too bad a place to be. And then last night, sat listening, sat looking over some posts, sat writing a little bit for this episode wondering about what I was going to share what I wasn't going to share I saw a, a post on Facebook by the champ herself Christina McMahon who had taken a beautiful photograph of her own environment sat having a cup of tea listening to the birds and a beautiful thought one that I have to admit didn't come to my mind was she was listening to the birds singing and wondering what they were saying how about that I know we're getting all very uh, Richard Attenborough or David Attenborough whatever the case may be but just little thoughts, little thoughts, simple thoughts, simple things that come to mind and help you to chill out. And Some of the boxing news that's going on, there is still some news emanating around the sports world. Of course, the big news is the WrestleMania of the weekend gone, which was very peculiar, very unusual, but enjoyable nonetheless when you've got nothing else. And of course, this coming weekend, I believe, or the following one, I'm not 100% sure, is the UFC, who are insistent on pushing ahead. I think it's the following weekend in pushing ahead on some remote island places. Perhaps it's Jeffrey Epstein's island. Who knows? Who knows? Of course I'm joking about that. Where it is or when it has done for sure. But look, if it's done in the right way and it's done safely and, amid, and it brings entertainment and it helps lift people's spirits, well then, go for it. Go for it. And Dana White is never backwards about going forward, as my old gran used to say. Plans seem to be moving across the boxing world to make fights for once this ban is lifted. And this is a time that we can really, really look forward to. Because with all the shows that have been cancelled, postponed indefinitely, we are going to be in for a boxing festival once it all kicks off again. Have no doubt about that. But a fight that they're talking about in the heavyweight division, Andy Ruiz versus Charles Martin. Of course, he who roams desert like a king, as he once declared before he came across and pittered around like a putty tat when Anthony Joshua put him to sleep very early to take that title and began the reign of AJ when that one goes ahead or if it goes ahead remains to be seen both will have improved from their last outings and will be it'll be entertaining for what it is for what it is talk of Kell Brook and Terence Crawford continues for some reason not 100% sure Kell Brook is rumoured to be happy to do the dance at 147 watch that space don't know how that plays out I didn't see anything in in Kell's last outing to tell me that He's ready for that, and I would fear for him in that one. But perhaps it'll be one that that big payday that he craves and that he's chased for the latter part of his career. Earl Spence, Manny Pacquiao, also rumoured to be 
in the making at 147. And Spike O'Sullivan has been promised a middleweight title eliminator bout despite losing his last one to Munguia. So that will be very interesting as well. Coming up in the, not this episode, but the following episode will be an extensive interview I did recently with our man Dennis Hogan. And he talks about his plans. He talks about the agreement that's in place with PBC and with everything that came and went around the Charlo fight. That's all in the next episode. But before we cut loose and tip on into the main episode itself, the main body of the episode... Let's get a few of the shout-outs done. And a big shout-out and thank you to everybody that's reached out and been in touch to check how everything is going and how everyone is getting on and a few comments and a few suggestions and ideas. Keep them flowing because they're always, always welcome. Paddy Gal, shout-out to you, my man. Hope all is well. Glad to hear you're keeping good. Beck Conley, Stephen O'Rourke, Patsy Joyce, Johnny Joyce, all the guys. D Taggart, thank you for getting in touch as well on a regular basis. Bobby Main, who's very kindly given me a couple of his brand-new books Uh, He signed them and sent them in, so we're going to get a couple of competitions running for that, and we'll get Bobby on here as well to give away. So, Dean Byrne as well, Louise Welsh, Ali, hope you all enjoyed WrestleMania at the weekend. What a strange experience that was, but we'll maybe talk about that in a while. Aldo O'Neill, Niall Kennedy, Jason Coyne, Andy Conway. Well, anyone that listened to Paddy's episode just gone, seems to have gone down a treat, and I can understand why. Tricky times. But thanks to one and all for getting in touch. Anybody that's on the mail list that I send out on a weekly basis with the link for the current episodes would have gotten a link this morning for free access to all the new latest releases. It was one I got from the States earlier, late last night I got it, I sent it to a few nearest and dearest and this morning I've sent it out to all of you nearest and dearest. Anyone that hasn't got it, anyone that's looking for something to pass an hour or two during the day, during the night during the wee hours you know where it's at check the notes here you'll see it in the below, below I'll stick it in there for you or hit me up with a text or anything anything you like whatsapp or the usual messages you'll get it back straight away what have I been watching in these uh, peculiar days looked at the Netflix documentary with Ronda Rousey recently very very good very good it's called uh, Through My Father's Eyes and it's very it's very emotional at times it's very hard hitting but it's real and uh, I, I think Ronda was one of those athletes who copped more than her fair share of abuse and when people seemed to choose not to remember what she did for the game what she did for female sport and female MMA she took it to new levels yes she suffered at the top level eventually but not before moving the mark way 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 beyond where it ever was before in in same in similar fashion to what Katie Taylor did for female boxing she set that mark and she continued to reset it and reset it and thankfully for us, Katie hasn't suffered in the same way Rhonda has at the moment. But she does at times at the hands of certain scribes and hacks. But they'll always do what they want to do anyways. What else to watch and listen to lately? I've been looking at some documentaries on US Tubas, as they say. And with a beautiful one there I watched last night, the night before last, about right, Rocky and Righty it's called. It's a story which details the paths of Ian Wright and David Rockcastle as they made their way from playing Sunday League football all the way through to the heights of the first division the old first division at the time and what a player David Rockcastle was I'd forgotten just how good he really was and he was an integral part of that Arsenal team which broke the hearts of the Liverpool that mighty Liverpool team in 1989 it was an incredible feat on a Friday night I'll never forget watching it with my granddad and it was one of those one of those where were you occasions Ian Wright then of course came through Sunday League didn't have the same path as I won't give any spoilers it's well well worth a watch I'll put a link for it again below I also watched last night Paul McGrath and the Brian Clough stories and again 
it just gives you that little jolt, that little reminder, just how good Paul McGrath was. My goodness me, how good was he? I always thought, and as a United fan and an ardent United fan, I always thought, ooh, ah, was a lefty. No, not so. A right-footed footballer, but just a complete, a complete. If you want an example of the complete footballer, there he was and there he is an incredible fella and an incredible story really well worth watching and I recommend it highly other things on Netflix I've been watching Dare Me I've been finished that one there yeah yeah it's it's, it's okay it's okay if you want a little bit of um, non-fiction as they call it go have a look at that Money Heist I've been into the, la- the third season That that's really really good it's one that's been adapted from a Spanish series it's been subtitled the subtitle it's been dubbed with English knowledge really good really really good I can recommend that one as well for podcasts, I'm listening to um, the usual comedic uh, daily in influx. I get Joe Rogan, uh, the fighter and the kid, of course, Joey Diaz. They're all fun. Um, the pat down. You're looking for the American content. It's super, super funny and really lightens the note when you're out for a walk or out for a, a cycle or whatever the case may be. It gives you a great laugh. The two Johnnies lately I've been, I've been tuned into for my true crime uh, itch that I scratch every now and then. Truth and Justice with Bob Ruff are back now to the West, Me- West Memphis 3, which of course is 25 years ago. Hard to believe. They have a new series out in HBO in the States. I haven't got to yet, but that's a, a really, really tragic, sad story from a, for a number of different reasons. But I won't spoil it. Go and have a listen to that if you get a chance. There's quite a good few on, on there right now. And of course, as I said earlier on, Paddycast is where to go for your latest boxing content. And I have to change my, my new intro. I recorded a new intro over the weekend, as you'll have heard here. I don't want to be recording and saying that I'm the only podcast. I'm not. Not. So I'll fix that for you. It's no disrespect to anybody. There are just a few little bits of what I've been looking at and listening to over the last few days and weeks. And see what you get. Get in touch if you've seen something good, if you've heard of something good. Hit me up and we'll put it out there and let everybody share. Something else I've watched recently and found myself absolutely glued to the screen was a Virgin One episode of Inside the K where a crew went on location with the Gardaí in Inside the K division in Dublin to deal with all the events and happenings that arise on any given shift with these brave men and women who are absolutely in the cold face on the tip of the spear when it comes to present day events crisis and every other day crisis the episode that hit me the hardest I guess as always was last week when they dealt with the mental health um, incidents that they come across on an all too regular basis it was crisis levels before mental mental health in Ireland let's get this straight was at crisis levels long before COVID-19 became an issue and without spoiling this series of the episode uh, if you haven't seen it yet it is absolutely gripping it's heartbreaking, it's infuriating, but it's all too real. And to understand and realise what these officers go through on absolutely every time they clock in and get in the car to go on their 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 business, to do their, their daily route, is it's 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 beyond words. Beyond words. And it it goes to a little conversation I had here recently with Niall Kennedy, who is of course a heavyweight boxer, but is also a serving member of the Garda Shiakana. What we're seeing at times, I, I, I mean, I don't know. There's no words really. You're looking around. You're thinking there's something broken somewhere. There's people in general, and you think then I go back to what you said about white collars. I genuinely say this on a weekly basis. I say that if we take the core important factors that make a good boxer: honesty, discipline, determination, strength, resilience, all that, and put them into human beings in everyday life. 
I believe your job on the force, I won't say it'll be easy, but it's fair to say it'd make a big difference, wouldn't it? I would, and, and look, I, I'm very lucky that I get to go into a lot of schools in my and I get to go into it, and you can talk to the chats, you know, like boxing makes you fairly relevant in a lot of people's mm-hmm. you know, but exactly like what you said, it's something that schools could nearly think about bringing in, um, from a discipline point of view, even in schools, it's just, and uh, come here, there's, there's so many benefits to boxing health-wise, mental health-wise, and, but like, just to touch on what you said, society does seem strange, all right, there's, I don't know, maybe television or maybe the internet is ruining it a little bit, but we're, we're, we're sort of lost, we're losing the moment and we're chasing things that probably aren't realistic, so I think it's, we need to get off computers a little bit, you know. Yeah, so, um, I, I have an eight-year-old lad here now and he's the best in the world, he's, uh, he, he just, he, he loves sport, he's loved football, he loves everything and then the, but we got I got my next box there about two years ago. I thought long and hard about it and, and it's 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 not a myth. It's not a it's not a fallacy, it's true. It turns him into a different person. I get him off it first of all is an achievement to get him off it. And then when you do get him off it, it's like you nearly need a battle to get the demon out and get him back to being what he was so Yeah, and, and they're only simple things and come here, but the the struggles children have now is mm. mad like you you get a 14, 15 year old girl or boy in school, the chances are they're going to be, they're going to have to make a decision in relation to substances, they're going to have to make all these decisions, this temptation that's there now that wasn't when we were kids and the, the, the social media pressure, it's insane, like, you know, this, this social media icon or this Instagram thing that they're all trying to match up to, like, you know, and come here, don't get me wrong, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter as well, and I'm as bad for it as anyone, but it's a false life, and you try and let kids know that this, this isn't real, like, you know, you can't, you can't, like, you don't see people crying in their Instagram posts, where they do, like, so, I don't know, it's just, we need to get back to real life, I think, and like what you said, back out of Harlem and football, and then, you can chung them off the street or whatever. <laughs> You'll remember as a child yourself and everyone telling you that school is the best time of your life. Like, no one believes that, but it really is. Like, and I do try and say that because, like, genuinely, this is the easiest and the best your life will ever be. You're going to meet your friends every day and enjoy it. Like, but, you know, it's, <laughs> We're old and we're talking to people now that don't want to listen to us as well. Do, do you remember, Niall, do you remember when your dad or your granddad or anyone said this to you when you were that age? Can you remember exactly what you thought when you said it to them? No. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, but I, I say it when I'm saying it to people now, I actually laugh saying it because I yeah. know yeah, you're right, I'm though. completely hypocrite by saying it because it was said to me, but it is like it's. We just need to start with, like you said it earlier on, living in the now and mm. living. Getting away from what you look like, I suppose technology is what it is, and no way it changes, and it really, like what you're saying, the, the dog is at the lead, but when he gets a little bit older, he's going to realise that that's probably not the case. And then you have to look at it in school, is he, if he's not on the Xbox and all his friends are on the Xbox, yeah. are, you, are you excluding them from it? No, life is hard for kids now, they've a lot, like they have a lot more to deal with than we do. Yeah, and Niall made some great points there and, and one that got me thinking a lot and I always think a lot about is the reference to our school days being our best 
Now, for me, school days were probably the worst days for me. I didn't enjoy any bit of it. Not, as I said before, not for any malicious reasons or anything like that. I just didn't like it. Just did not want to be there. I struggled with it. Didn't like it and wanted out and was happy to be out and have never looked back. But I do get the point that Niall makes and I do get it more so now than ever. The simplicity of the time when we're in school. The easy... Non carefree, nonchalant attitude where the only thing you got to focus on, the only thing you really want to worry about is getting out and getting out with your mates to kick ball or puck a, hor- puck a ball or to go fishing or to skate or whatever it is you do. I get that. I absolutely get that. And particularly in these times now, people are starting to realise and remember what it's like to have time to do these things, to enjoy these things. Now, for some, they'll never go back. They'll never be able to unwind. They They don't know what it's like to be able to switch off, relax, enjoy, have fun, remember what it's like to be those teenage years. But for many of us, they're never too far away. They're never too hard to recall. And maybe it's a lad's thing, maybe it's a male thing, that we like to uh, be that Peter Pan sort of character at times. But whatever works for you, whatever floats your boat. But it is a very stark reminder when you see what these men and women in the Gardaí have to face on a daily basis it's it's frightening. It is frightening and I can't recommend that episode highly enough and I've thanked Niall for, for being in touch since. Wanted to check that it was still okay to run ahead with just a little bit of it. And also, just in general, in these days and weeks, remember what it's like. Spare a thought for them. And there's none of us have... We've all had different experiences at different times in our lives with the Gardaí and thankfully, for the most part, mine have been okay. But just spare a thought. They're not easy times for any of us particularly for those facing the very worst. When we talk of Irish amateur boxing, we think of names such as Wayne McCullough, Michael Carruth, Kenneth Egan. Think of Kieran Joyce. Think of all those famous names that down through the years. John Joe Joyce, Darren Sutherland, Katie Taylor, John Joe Nevin, Paddy Barnes. The list is endless. Landless. Roy Sheen is up there with every one of those names. He spent 20 odd years. He boxed for 20 odd years out of a St. Michael's Club in a tie. He won every honour there is to win in the game. He boxed international. He represented. He won gold medal at Europeans. Did everything there was to win. He won everything there is to win. And in a recent comment on one of my posts from none other than Andy Lee, which said, Roy Sheen is the most talented Irish boxer of my generation. High praise indeed. I reached out to Roy around Christmas time. We planned to do it a few, do this episode a few times, and for one reason or another, it didn't happen. But when it did, I think you'd agree it was something very special. He's a great fella. He's had his fair share of ups and downs, and he's had more than his fair share of bad luck. And I, for one, believe, hope, and think there's better days ahead. And let's not just write the last chapter of that book. I used to have boxing when I was six or seven. My other two brothers, I used to. They used to sort of mind me because my lad that was working and I won my first dollar and then was 11, you know, and that's what kept me going. Then. You were a huge part of a special group of fighters and a team that brought those days back to St. Michael's. St. Michael's would always have been well recognised around the country but didn't have the ultimate glory. But when you lads came along... My two brothers, like, I didn't, I didn't nickel off the road. Like, Gary, like, I remember one year the three of us were boxing we were going for the three brothers to win the dollar in one year. And I was boxing that night before my brother Gary... So I won my honour in that time and Gary lost at me. And, you know, I remember sitting in the stadium crying because he lost because I wanted the three of us to do it that year. 
So the, the year after then again, so me and Tommy won that year and Gary lost. So the next year then the three was won, you know, we think we were first three brothers back years ago to win an all in the same year. It was good. So Gary, and then Gary went on. Gary was uh, the next lad to me. He won a bronze medal in the Europeans in Macedonia. And um, he stopped boxing then when he was about 17 or 18. Um, and Tommy, my other brother, he only, he only stopped boxing last year at 40 years of age. So we had a bet. I if I do the last man standing that time, he was he's always on to me to go back boxing. Always annoying me, nagging me. Why don't you do why don't you do that? He's always looking out for me, want me to go back, because he knows like that I can do well. So I said, Tommy, right, fuck's sake. I said, I'm out of the ring two year or whatever. I said, if I go back and do this, you have to promise me you do the the all earns. So I did the last man standing and last year, at forty years of age he was last year. He went into the All Ireland. He beat the the Ulster champion in the first round, and Dean Gardner Breakfast uh, beat him in then in the semis or quarters. I'm not sure what it was, but but he stuck to his word and done that, you know. But but I always looked up to my two brothers because they're always travelling and winning the All Ireland, and that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to travel, go to America, Canada, all these places. Like, do you know what I mean? They're getting medals in like in Europeans and worlds, and I said, why can't I do this? You know? I'm sure your brothers would be honest enough to say as well. Look. They'd look up to you just as much as you looked up to them. Yeah, well, you could say that as well. You know what I mean? They, they are like, like Tommy's forty and Gary's uh, thirty-eight now, but they still want me to do. I think it was like we had the most successful club in Ireland for two or three years. I think we had nine, nineteen titles. Incredible. I'm not sure. It could be fifteen or nineteen. I'm not sure. Yeah, but then we start boxing whatever. I have this thing about me. I hate seeing Irish fighters fight unless it's for a good. Unless there's something on the table, you know. Now in amateur, it's a different story. They, they get on the teams or whatever, and there's so many different. Like there's only a few spaces in some of the spots, like Olympic Games and World Championships. Now, like, you have to. Whatever way it's yet, like in pro, you can. I don't know, I think there's made up titles in, in pro, you know. But um, I think it's different in the pro game, you can you can miss lads in your weight, you'll never have to fight lads in your weight. So there could be like, I don't know, many like middle light middles in Ireland there now, there could be about eight to ten of them, you know, and you might never meet one of them. And that's the thing, you know, and, and, and they can hide behind, and there's all sorts of look, we can get into that in a few minutes, but what I wanted to look at is you growing up in a tie. Anyone that's going to be listening here that's not from Ireland, that's not in Ireland or not from Kildare, a tie, it's, it's a South Kildare town, about 90 minutes, I suppose, depending on how heavy the foot is from Dublin. Uh, that, that's a trip you lads would have got used to making on a regular basis and, um, from the success and everything else. But it's a, clo- it's, it's, a, it's a working class town, would have been a small town originally, like everywhere else now, it's had to sprawl out a little bit. Um, tough, full sport mad, music mad. And it, but at the heart of it, like most Irish towns, right in those days, there's a, a close community. We it was always a close community, and as I said, the boxing club was near where I lived in uh, Camullion, which the Mount Saint Mary's just right beside that. And that's where we used to go. Father Laverty was the founder of that. I'm not sure how many years ago it was. Um, it was before I was there anyway. When uh, Dom O'Rourke and his brothers of Christie and all uh, the they all boxed there as well, you know. So they, Dom does carried on you know him and Father Aberdeen and Mount St Mary's then we moved in two or three places now we have another place up there near near Castle Park which is there which is our which is, which is the club the Thai club now it's, you know it's just and for the young lads down in a Thai there now it's un, unreal I do bring yeah. my young fella down there since after Christmas and you want to see the amount of young lads down there and the talent yeah. and some of them are going to be big names was it always going to be boxing for you Roy? Or? boxing club was nearby so we used to go there in the past times in the evenings, but 
I just started getting nine and ten. Dom took interest in me. He used to bring me to all underage tournaments. Now I think I was nine and ten, fighting eleven, twelve year olds sometimes, and we fight started we get the decisions and that. But I think I must have had about forty fights before start fighting when I was eleven because traveling to different towns. He used to bring me off with him. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just when I was eleven, I think. I won, I won my first all Ireland in the clear and the Lensford and all that. I think there was no one really there. I was stopping lads at that age, if you know what I mean. I remember stopping my very first final I ever won was 11 years of age. I stopped a man in the first or second round. I can remember doing the, running and doing a front flip, but I was able to do it that time. <laughs> but I won them all the way up then, 11, 12, 13, 14, the whole way up. And then you start, like, I got beaten uh, under 21s, I think it was under 19s, I'm not sure what was called that time, 19s or 21s, but, you know, it was just, I had my friend Eric who was in the club that time, Eric Dunvin, who was, he was a year younger than me, but he started winning, he's all earned at 11 as well, so he, I was winning them at 12, he was winning them at 11, I was winning them at 13, he was winning them at 12, but there's all other lads there as well, like Bull Dunvin would be his cousin, it'd be James Happy Phillips, be Pat Thielen, so, it was loads, Dom, Dom's son as well. So it was just, there was a amount of uh, talent there. You, uh, John Paul Brennan, all mercy on him now. Just talent was just unreal. That bond with yourself and Eric was, was always, it was always very obvious. If one or the other was always in the corner and it was there and Dom was, was a stalwart through it all. I've had Eric on here a few times with me and he's always been very honest and open and he says he broke Dom's heart on more than one occasion. Were you easier to manage or were you as bad? Listen, me and, me and Eric lived in the same Paris. We grew up together. We were too, uh, terrible too, whatever you used to call us. But we got up to lots of different, you know. We were, so like, I know, like, we were boxing in all Ireland and we could be, you know, you know, taking a little drink there the week before finals and all this. We were just, we never took things really serious, if you know what I mean. I, I remember one morning they came up, uh, he came, we were supposed to go sparring, I think it was in gym now, come, I think it was in gym now, coming in one morning, I'm not really sure, but we were in the house, <laughs> we were drinking all that night, you know, we were stupid when we were younger, but he came up and pulled the two of us out of the house tower, and I think we, the two of us didn't even get asleep, and we went up, he called us every name under the sun, and the best of these Did you get a trimming in the spire, did you? <laughs> Jerry Cooney said to me way back in one of the early interviews I did with him he said that those early day coaches he says they were more than just a padman or more than a coach yeah well only for Dom like uh, I was like in the in 2007 there was, I was in the EU's and uh, I was going to box in the uh, for the qualifiers in the EU's or not when was it it was 2011 this was and uh I had a 2011, I was fighting in the World Championship for the Qualified Olympic Games. I won two fights. I was fighting a lad, Valios, from uh, Lithuania. He only fought Terence Crawford for the World title there a few weeks ago, you know, or a few months, about two or three months ago. But I, I should have beat him, you know, in the in the, in that World Championship. We got to the last day in the world, and he fought your man Evans from uh, Wales in the semis. So he got into the Freddie the Evans. Final. Yeah, so after that, that was my sort of, that was my chance, that was my look. You know what I mean? I looked at that fight hundreds of times, me, Zor, uh, Billy, and no way on the points decision did I lose that fight. And the four years before that, in 2007, I won the, the European Union Championships here in Ireland. That's right, yeah. And uh, I went to the Olympic qualifiers after that. It was the first Olympic qualifiers. Um, we were in training camp in 
France and I think we went to Italy or Italy to France or Germany, something like that. But in the very last bar, I was only sparring, you know, like light sparring, and I was sparring that Lithuanian four years previous to this, and I broke my hand off his head. Kowalowskis, wasn't it? Stopped me from going to that qualifiers, and then 12 weeks, 12 weeks later, I was uh, trying to get to go to the second qualifiers and broke it off Johnny Joyce's hand. And then four years later, to qualify for the next Olympic Games, which I should have qualified. I meet the same lad that stopped me again. It's just you can't, you can't write. 2012, I went to. I I was I was in the worst time of my life. People that know me know what happened. Whatever you know, it's just a lot of things happened, and I fought in the All Ireland there after that. I think there was another Olympic qualifier. That I didn't want to even train. I didn't want to box, but only for Dom, he kept trying to get. He knew what situation I was in. I was heartbroken, whatever. But he's the one who tried to you know get me to them All Ireland, but. I wasn't there, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but Roy, credit to yourself in that all the traits you showed in the ring to win all those titles from 11 years of age, hanging in there when you can't hang in there and getting back up when you can't, they're the things that got you through that patch as well. And yeah, of course. Like, you know what I mean? And then, like, I was gone for... I left the high performance in 2012. I think it was the start of 2000. No, in 2012, I, I had an upper box. I didn't even want to do that all around after. I think, John, actually, Johnny Joyce beat me in that all around in the semis. And I think... Adam Nolan then beat him and qualified. That's how, like, that's the way they went that time. But previous before that, I'd be Adam Nolan and, and I'd be Adam Nolan and in the, it was like a box off. And that's how I went to the other qualifiers. So it was like, it was like a thing turning, you know, me, Johnny mm-hmm. and Adam that time. And then there was Willie McLaughlin was in around that time before that as well. You know, it was just, it was just touch and go with us. And at that time, I should have qualified in the games and then the All Ireland's and then Johnny beat me and then, Adam beat him, then Adam qualified. I think uh, Annie Tree was the one that would have qualified that time. You know. Yeah, and tell me a little bit. I, sorry, you touched on there a minute ago. Um, you you had that close bond to in the club, but how does that then work out? I always wonder this, and I being from Newbridge, I used to watch you lads, and I was always like Dara gave you great exposure in the nationals, only for the nationals at the time when. We all oh, know yeah, what the are. Always we, I always wondered how does that, how was that managed, and how do you guys, when they, when you're drawn to fight each other, your club mates, t- tell me a little bit about that. What way would that have worked when the draw is made? Then these go stay away from each other, or is it just? It was very, it was very awkward for a few years with Eric and Davy Oliver and me and Johnny. I actually fought uh, Johnny's older brother Davy in an honor and final as well. Um, it was hard because they. Our club is their club as well. You know, they used to travel home from Mullingar every night. So, they had their fathers coaching them as well, and we had them. It was very awkward because we were trying to not spare each other in a sense, you know what I mean? But we were always friends, but I know there was a lot of tension in, like, there was a lot of tension coming up to fight when we were fighting, fighting each other, and they wouldn't come over as much, if you know what mm. I mean? But I'm like, I always stay friends with Davey, Johnny, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? After the fight, well done, whatever. Johnny beat me, I beat him, whatever. And same with Eric and Davey, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's just a thing, I don't know, it's hard to explain. When You were able to park it for, at that time, the Irish title was the sacred, was the holy grail of Irish boxing, which has been a little bit diminished, sad to say, over the last few years. But yeah, Of course, it's, it's like saying that there's an obstacle in the way, like you're going to have to get over it no matter what. Of course it's dancing, you know, like they, like all, most of the lads I ever like boxed or beat me in the other and just most of them I beat, like a lot of them lads got medals in world, like in Europeans and, you know, it's just, it's just, when you're in training camps in the high performance, there could be about three or four 
top lads. And then three or four top lads can meddle in nearly every one of their multinationals. And did. Even, even, and did, yeah. And, and Europeans are. And Jason Quigley bet me. I think it was the end of 2012, 2013. But as I said, I didn't want to box that time. I, I was finished. I finished with high form, finished with everything. But I just went in as dumb. I said, dumb put pressure on me to do. But, but he beat me that time. And he went down and got a silver in the yeah. world championships. You know, I'm like, I'm not saying like I would have beat him if I was... You know, my head was right and properly trained. But, you know, Jason is a big talent. And I remember him up in the high performance. He's always the first one on the floor. I'm nearly always the last one. But the last one coming out when the train was finished, he's still doing bits after, you know. And it's incredible. He's like, he's, he's, he's 100% in his training and, and everything he does. Well, Roy, he, he was equally as complimentary of you. He He actually went, when I had him on here, and he said it to you, he said that, it, it broke his heart because he was so close so many years in the run up to that and the co- competition but he said his last time the year the monkey off his back was beating you and he said he went on a run then that he doesn't think he's ever had since so in in that final I can remember I think it was it was me I beat Connor Kyle in the semi-final and he beat uh, I don't know Darren O'Neill was in it as well he got I don't know sorry Darren I am um, I forget who quickly beat in the, in the semi-final. Well, it could have been Blaney, was it? Uh, no, I fought Blaney in my very last All-Ireland at 81 kilo in the semi-final. And oh, come, he fought Conrad Cummins, I think, in the semi. Yes. Oh, that's what it was, Conrad, yes. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about him. Yes, yeah, so, like, like, there was like four lads that medal anywhere, do you know what I mean? And did medal yeah. in lots of places. And there's like, like Cummins was the European champion, quickly is there, and Conor Kyle is doing absolutely brilliant. You know, which which me and Conor Kyle was a close fight that night, you know. There's you know, great talent there. Another shout out, Willie Willie McLaughlin always gave great a, a phenomenal a phenomenal fighter, a phenomenal man and, and as all is are Like Willie Willie was just Willie's one of the lads, like myself. Yeah. You know, I I like most of the times we go away I go away for the crack more so than the boxing if you had. You know, sometimes like if I took a if I can look back and take everything so serious, I would do lots of things different and I probably would be you know, I would have meddled in a lot more places, but I was a messer, you know. But Willie McLaughlin is, is is one of the lads, and well, he trained, and when he gets in the ring, he gives it all. Me and him had loads of battles, loads, and in sparring up in Dublin, every bar for us was nearly a fight, you know, and we had some battles. I'm under, I'm under instructions here from a good friend of yours and an old uh, rival and colleague over the years. Eamon King Kane tells me he wants you to tell some of the stories of the devilment that you got up to when you were in the stadium. Now, you alluded to a few of them yourself when you were making weight. So, do you want to tell us a few of those? The ones you can tell us, anyway. Nah, well, like, I, I wish I could tell you all of them because I think if I told a lot of stories on boxing for the years, I think... I think half of them to be divorced from the wife. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lad raw book there a few years ago, and I think I'm part of some of the stories. <laughs> what that? Um, I remember we were in, actually we were in America, and me, Eamon came. I don't know whether it was, we were fighting, and I think I think it was the time me Eamon came. I think uh, Henry Kyle and that were there as well. I think we were fighting the Native Americans. I'm not sure, but anyway. Um, we were getting in the ring and we had our national anthem. Yeah, I was that high. I was down on my knees in the middle of the old stadium looking at But um, I remember before, I think it was before the win or something like that, or after the win, me and King came were in the, in the hotel. 
And I can remember this new drink and I shaking in my hand like this, saying, nothing to man. I think one of them new Fanta strawberry or something like that. <laughs> was right, then I go into the bathroom in my hotel room and put all the all the soap and that and the, the, what, or the shampoo and all into the bottle. <laughs> and I said to the boys, I think, no, this wasn't for the way, this was before the fight. And I got, I aimed to there, I said, hey, what do you say? <laughs> he took a big swallow. <laughs> <laughs> when he done that, I ran down the corridor. He ran after me. He got me, got me down in the corridor, but I was in the last lap. Maybe a few toes to it. Unbelievable competitors, but more than capable of having to crack outside as well, which was which was brilliant. When we used to stay up in that stadium, so it was like when there was one person awake, everyone was awake in it, and I think. Most time, I was that person because I couldn't go to sleep. There's a great little uh, group of yourselves um, that, and I do. I love seeing the photographs. It's part of one of those boxing things that you and you meet up at least once a year. As of course yourself, Eric, Andy Lee, the five amigos. Yeah, we always keep in touch. Phenomenal bunch of fighters. Like when you look back at it now, can you can you kind of see it as it was pretty special, wasn't it? It was very special. Um, we used to be always up there training, and uh, we travelled a lot together. See, it's like when you travel away with lads, and it's like family. We would like sort of then Donald Reynolds and all that time and then me, Kenny, Eric, Andy and Connor, we sort of sort of when the first the high performance then it was just going going upwards and we was we were there at that time and we were going away on trips together and it just happens, you know what I mean? It's a good group of friends. It goes beyond boxing, and that's the special thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, my very first Europeans I was with Andy it was in uh, Greece, me, Andy, Eric, um I think Brian Brian Gillen um, and Dormit Barrett. That was that was the five of us years ago, yeah. And then I was in uh, Cuba then when I'm in, as a junior. Um, yeah, Andy won the, the silver medal in Cuba that time. Yeah, then Tony Dunlop and uh, and Tony Dabber were the coaches. It was me, Garrett Dunn, and uh, in Polly Highland. It was, a, it was a great trip, you know. What I mean, that Cuban trip was unreal. Yeah, there were for anyone that wasn't, I suppose, for people that are a little bit younger or people that might have only recently come to boxing, look back over those teams and those groups. You, you, the names that you'll see on those teams are absolutely frightening. I remember the first ever uh, training camp I went to Russia. I just it was snowing over there. It could have been about a foot and a half of snow, but when you want the minute you walk into the gym, it was like walking into a sauna and it hit you. And the the ring was cut off. You know, like a boxing ring was cut off in four way. Right? Yeah. And you're not you're not sparing you're sparing the Russians. The Russians one, two, three, and four are like the number one. There's not much in between them. And every and just say we have different times of training. Just say ten o'clock the the welterweights or the, the middleweights. So I was welter that time. I remember going into the ring there, and there was um there was four Russians. One of them had to spar one each time. But I remember getting in for four rounds, four rounds, and probably three rounds of it. And every one of them bet me from one rope to the other in my first few days in that barn. I the whole team nearly cried that time. I remember the first time, oh my god, it was, it was just unreal. Like the train do it. And they do that school sparn. That school sparn is like do you know what I mean? it's like you do one, two, you slip, roll, whatever. Yeah. They mean to take your head off. Not six it's not sixteen ounce gloves, it's ten ounce gloves and yeah. they want to kill you. One of the training camps before World Championships they had a, a box off at the end of it and that's who decided to go on that camp so then 
they were all trying to show like who's the best, you know, with us, and then the box each other, and then the winner went madness. And from having made the breakthrough, Roy, on the national scene, and then you go to that international, it's another level then again. But credit where it's due, you started to find your feet and started to hold your own. And what you weren't winning, you were you were really close to winning, and 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 eventually that turned full circle. So when you take that experience and come back to boxing in the elites, could you see a difference in yourself, or was the standard still so high that you were you were always pushed oh, out yeah, of them? Could see when uh, when Zoranti came to the Irish team and. Like he speaks all the Russian and all that. We got involved with the the, the Ukrainians and Russians and Kazakhs, and he's he just he's just unreal. Zor as a as a coach and technique, he's just absolutely brilliant. You know, he brought I think Ireland on a bit. I know Billy Watson that was there and Gary Keegan that was there. They all played their part. Zor anti chains boxing. Even to see him doing his workouts there and his pads, and all, he's just he's just phenomenal. He's just unreal. Yeah, it's brilliant. But like we were going to them countries and. Sparring top lads in the world, and if you're sparring the top lads in the world and training with the top lads in the world, you want to better yourself every time. You want to better them. And I think that's what it is as a team. We all want to do better, you know. And the only way to do better is fight lads that were just that little bit up over you. You can't like no point in fighting lads that you're going to beat or is going to be under you. You're not going to learn nothing from that. It was my life for years and years. You know, I didn't know that now, and I wanted to do better, you know. But I, as I said a while ago, if I look back and things, I would have done things a bit more serious because I was a bit of a, a mess, <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, I fought a lot of good lads. I fought a few world champions and I beat world champions and I fought like loads of uh, people that won the um, medals in Olympic Games. I beat lads that won the medals in Olympic Games. You know, it's just it's just sometimes the times aren't right for things, if you know if like in competition, you, just, you have to have a bit of luck in boxing as well. If I'm being really honest and really fair with you, I would say you had more than your fair share of bad luck. Some people use luck as an excuse. People that know what we're talking about will know what we're talking about. You definitely had your fair more than your share of bad yeah, luck. The World Championships in China. I well, I fought um, uh, two uh, two months before that. I was in uh, Bosnia, Herzegovina, in uh, multi nations, yeah, and I beat a lad from Belarus there. So I go to the World Championships in China. I beat a lad. I don't know whether from Greece or um, Croatia. Well, anyway, I got into. I was fighting a man then from from Belarus, which I beat there in Bosnia two months before that. So he went up about four or five shots in the first round. I come in the second round, came back. Um, I think I was a point or a point up going into the last round. That fight was a comeback. He fought a lad then from he fought a lad from Canada and got into the semi-finals. He fought Perkins then from England and got to the final. He got a silver medal and beat me on the comeback. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. That's like I and that lad from Canada. Like he only won the fight. He he fought he fought a lad on the other side from Lithuania or not from Lithuania from Croatia, which I beat three times. And he only won that fight because he caught him in the last round. The man was up by about fifteen shots. So then I went on and won the silver medal after me beating him two months before that, and then the comeback was a tall one. Do you know, it's just yeah, it's just little things like that. And then that's the man from Lithuania then goes to get the if he he got into the semi-finals fighting the man from Kazakhstan. Or he, if he did beat the man from Kazakhstan, I would have qualified that way. I would have been top eight in the world. But he got after the first round, the con. Yeah, that's the and it's, that's the fine margin. Can't overstate it. The slenderest, the slightest, smallest, the last couple of shots and the last few seconds of her, they can just be to turn the whole thing on its head. And then that's yeah, before you even know, look at the corruption like, side of it. You know, like when you go away to these countries, especially these multinations, that 
Like you come home after you think you won, you tell everyone, oh no, I should have won the fight. This ah, go away, like you know, you lost the fight. But there's that much corruption, people don't know. That was your amateur career in in the vest, and and you took a little bit of a break. You were gone out, weren't you, in two thousand and two thousand twelve? I was gone only for Dom, and then Johnny beat me in there, and then Adam Nolan qualified. But you know, I two thousand twelve was the roughest year of my life. I had to go out by myself, and I just just I was in a hole that year. Yeah, I think at the start of 2013 I fought and that's the time uh, Quigley beat me in the final but I, I didn't want to box I left the high performance I told him to take me off I said I don't want nothing yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to do nothing you know it's just just a bad time in my life but everything came good in the end of 2013 not saying that I would have beat Jason Quigley you know great fire stroke here you know what I mean he's, he's, a, he's a lovely fella and he's a great friend of mine you know what I mean but <clears throat> he got he got his um he got his chance and he's, and he's still going, you know, and fair play to him and I hope him all the best. But I came back in, I think it was 2013, was it 16 or 17? I was, I think Johnny, I think Johnny Dice was training for all or something. I'm not really sure anyway, but Dom, Dom Roker said, right, we come down there and give Johnny a few rounds. I was gone for two or three years. Three weeks later then, I, I told Dom, I wasn't going to do the seniors. And three weeks later, I told Dom, uh, this is on a Tuesday or Wednesday. I said, Dom, I'm waiting on Friday. You won't keep that fucking. <laughs> so I went in anyway, and uh, I fought Chris Blaney that time. He only moved up to he won at that time as well. It was a close fight between me and Chris. A bit scrappy fight, but, you know. It was a very close fight. I'm not going to say like uh, I won the fight well. I didn't, you know. I think the fight like it could have been either way. It was a scrappy enough fight, but anyway, I beat uh, Tinkler in the final. Which Tinkler is doing well now in America. Yeah. He's fighting Mads. Must be fighting Mads Square Garden, that, you know. But I was only I shouldn't have been 81 kilos. So they asked me to come back on the squad for the Olympic Europeans and awards that year. I said no. So that was me gone then until uh, until I was in touch then with. Um, uh, just to just to fill in the gaps there, Roy came back to turn professional and, and took part in that last man standing competition. Now, I I don't want to rehash all the negative and everything the, the wrong side of that that went on. I think that's been what what I want, what I loved about that, and 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 I mean this from the bottom of my heart. It highlighted everything that we all saw of Roy Sheen in the amateur vest came together with a little bit of something else, and that's what I wanted to ask you: what is that little something else? Came together in that competition. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Taz Evans and uh, were on me to do this last man stand. I said, oh, you stop, I never boxed him since 2017 or whatever. I said, I'm drinking over Christmas, whatever. But, you know, I know Stephen LaRocca and, uh, and Tony, because Tony used to come down and inspire me the whole time, so, and Tony Brown, so. I know, like, I was talking to them, I was talking to Taz Evans as well, and I said, um, I, I didn't know what to expect, and I saw the lads that were in there, I said, oh, you know what, like, I, I have, how can I go in with these lads? Like, these are flout training pro the last year, and they're, some of them are unbeaten records. You know, like Vladimir Bluski and Jack Cullen and that. They're like, they have like, the good records and that. So, I got in contact with Stephen, and Stephen, I went up to the gym in Inchicore, and everything just kicked off there. And for eight weeks training, I tell you, for eight weeks, I never put as much in, in eight weeks training, and, Stephen Roker credits him for everything he has, like interviews, the one-to-one coaching, and all the lads in the gym. It's just absolutely brilliant. The way he trains the lads, like he treats everyone, he treats all everyone, boys and girls, the same, amateur pro. And they have some, they have, in the last year, they have some squad now, and they're going to kick off this year. They're going to be very big, some of the lads, you know. But the sparring I had down there was unreal, and I was sparring actually, um, like, Tony Brown was there, Con- uh, not Conrad, um, Big grab, we all, I like, just, just the gym there. 
yeah, and just an incredible buzz and and uh, great. Like I love talking to Tony. Like the, there's a little bit of everything: the old music, the blues, and the, and the, they're they're just it's yeah, like a throwback. When you, when you do the pads, you put on your own music. What you want to want, what you want to put on, you know. So it's just and uh, the run all the sessions he has running tracks, but everything on the floor. But he does like a lot of one to one sessions and that. It's just you know, it's just. And the way he talks to you and tells you, explains things, it's just, it's just brilliant. But for them eight weeks, I trained my heart out. I don't think I ever trained as hard on, you know, not not even the training hard, but I tried to eat properly. Yeah. I tried to sleep properly. I tried to do everything properly and everything did properly. I know that, I know I won the last man standing and there's a bit, all the stuff about the money and that, but it's because of the snow on that, that time. I think, I think, I think they lost a lot of, uh, a lot of publicity in that in that night. I'm not really sure, but I don't blame anybody. It's just mm-hmm. the way it happened. But yeah, but again, but there again is another one, and, and I'm going to say because I know here you're very, you're quite humble. I'll say there was again. You see, this bad luck rears its head again, and it was just a lot of things. A lot of wrongs that were highly, highly um, publicised and everything else. But for me, I took the positive of it was just at long last you were getting the recognition and 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 there was a lot of emotion around it. I could very much uh, put it on a par with Eric winning his title there a couple of years ago. There was a lot of emotion around it and there's a story behind it because there's a very real story behind it. I think it's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's like you know, I had just so many nails for me. You know, the comeback kid, the Cinderella man, the comeback kids. You know, just that many different. Names I'm sure there was a few that weren't too nice as well. I'm sure. <laughs> No, I know that. <laughs> so tell me this, the last question before I let, I have three or four here from, from fans that I put up a bit of a thing earlier on. What's, what do we hear next or what's next for Roy Sheen? I tell you the truth, I'd love to be boxing right at this minute, but as I said, and I can't really talk much about it. I was in a bad accident in the end of January with my hand. I'm after having two operations and a surgery last week. I got removal of all pins in my hand, but I don't know. If I could come back boxing, but it's one thing I want to do is come back, and I want to, I do, I want to go back, and if I did come back, I'd go to Stephen Rock's gym, and I'd love to fight for the Irish title and go on for the European award. I really would. And so say all of us. So say all of us yeah, because but see, I, I look back on my career and I say, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do? The, why didn't I do last year? Why didn't I do this year? Because things weren't right, but everything is right now, and there's people there with money now, and. For money for fights and for money to train and that it's just everything everything was falling into place for me this year and every my whole everything just collapsed for me there at the end of January with my hands. So I don't know where I stand or what am I I've my work since the last nine weeks. I haven't closed my hand in overnight. Well I can close my hand but one of my knuckles won't close yet. So I don't really know. I love to get back in there. It's you know, I love to I don't want an accident to finish off my career. I want to finish off my career myself. No, I, I'm a believer in myself, but you know what I mean? This accent, I don't really know, but I would love to get back in the ring because I'm, I'm 35, you know. I boxing the last man stand two years ago, and, you know, I do have power in my shots, and I feel like, I tell you, I was in a couple of hundred fights, yeah? And I only ever got stopped once in my whole life. And that was in the fighting for a medal in Bulgaria, the time Kenny won his uh, uh, medal. I was fighting for a medal again, a lad from Georgia, the Zorantia's country, and uh, I was winning the fight in the second round, and I got caught with a shot. I got caught with a big shot. I got dropped on my back. I got back up straight away, probably too soon, 
and he, he went into a clinch and he pushed my head he pushed my head up on my chin up in the air with his glove and the referee stopped it. And you know, I I just I was disgusted because I I was able to continue on, but just the way he pushed my head up just stopped the fight. So he fought a lap with Bulgaria in the next round there for even the med- that would have got me a medal in the European Championships. But um I forget what I was talking about. No, you were talking about you don't want it to end on an injury or on a on a. You don't want your career to be to be finished with an injury. Yeah, I was, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like you know what I mean. Like that's the only time I ever got stopped. I, I don't know. I'd say since I was a young lad, a couple of hundred fights, I was never knocked out, and that's the only time I was ever stopped in the boxing ring. So I think if I went pro, I think you know, like being never stopped in your life only once. I've never been knocked out in the ring. Yes, I got dropped loads of times with body shots and head shots, yes. But I always got back up and I have a dig and I would like to prove that. I'd like to prove it to, not to everybody, just to myself. Without, like, you know what I mean? That does be in my head, like, you know what yeah. I mean? I think, Watch this space. Let's let's. The best way to say it is right because when you're not so sure, let's just say watch this space, and we'll we'll come back to you when when uh, been looking at. Let's be positive about it because in these days everybody needs a little bit of positivity, and uh, I I just have I just have a feeling that there's this 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 book isn't just written yet. Let's hold off on the last couple of chapters, will we? When you when you train each week Monday to Friday and travel all year round with lads, you know what I mean? It's like family. These these are some to me. These are amazing messages. Yes, they're just yes. messages that I've got over the last day or so and and the names alone all right i know i i'm not i don't do fandom i don't do it i just i just pay respect to people that earned it and uh here yes paddy barnes says without doubt one of the very best and that's that's paddy yeah. barnes egan just messaged here now he's late to the part but here he says fantastic footwork kenneth egan yes uh tony brown he said roy is the man yeah. um your old pal your best pal the man himself Roy will always be remembered as a legend and a world-class boxer, Eric Donovan. Yeah, it's very good. You know what I mean? And it's great to hear that from them, you know. But uh, as I as I said, like when I was growing up in the club, like I like all the Joyce's and that were in our club sparring that, you know, and that's how we learned off each other. Like we had Alan Foley, Skipper Clancy, you know, Colin, Colin Murphy, all these lads, you know what I mean? These were all like, for me, sparring with Alan and Skipper and that through all the years and all the clubs coming down this, and the Joyce's and that, this was bringing us on, you know, like yeah. we're helping each other. I have a couple of questions here from you from, from fans and people, that boxing people around the country. Um, Nicole Hayes was a guest of mine here last week. She's uh, She only picked up the gloves four years ago and she's won three Irish titles. She's from She boxes out one talker down there. She says, um, when things are getting tough and diet and motivation is lacking and, and life and everything else, what did you find worked for you? What did you What did you use to get you back into where you needed to be? Whatever takes you away from that uncomfortable, whatever you're uncomfortable, it takes you away. But see, I have kids and I have kids since I was young, one of my 15. And, you know, when I wasn't working, I was I always depended on sports grants and that. So I just, my kids always drew me on. My kids always drew me on. To do better for, if I do better for myself, it's like doing better for them. Yeah. And, um, it's hard to pick yourself up sometimes and motiv- motivate you sometimes, but you know you just have to you just have to talk on. You have to you have to put yourself out a plan and where that plan where you want to go in with that plan. And if it doesn't work now, it's going to work down there. It's the same as me now with my hands. Like like I don't know where I sit, stand, but I would really like to get back in and fight for the Irish title. 
So it's to find that something that works for you and go there when you need it. Not not to go to it all the time, but when you need to, just to, to be able to draw on it. Yes, and, it's, and and then then things that you're there, distracted, like you know, I mean, if you go away from them things, bad things around you, they're not working for you. Defense forces boxer, uh, there's that many of the Joyce's around. I never know one from the other. But Johnny Joyce says, uh, "Are we going to see a comeback, pal?" I know him very well. I know him very well. If I could come back right now, I would. In the end of January, when uh, Stephen told me and told me the deal that I was coming into, whatever, and I was going back with him and money was going to be okay, I would have been one million percent back in January and I would have been training now. I know because this COVID-19 thing, I, I was supposed to fight in April. My first fight was in April. I think that was going to be live in telly. And then I would think I was going to America for a fight. Another couple for you here, and I'll, I'll leave you out of them. Some man, Roy, serious talent, and one of the very best I've ever boxed with, Jason Quigley. There you go now. Yeah. And I leave the one. I, mean? I, I leave. I leave one for you that I think it'll mean as much to you as I. I think it'll resonate with you. The most talented. Is <laughs> no, the most talented Irish boxer of my generation, Andy Lee. Oh, Andy, yeah. How Andy, much? see, I grew up with Andy, you know, Andy, you know, we went to our, as I said the last time, we went, like, we went to our first, uh, it was a European youth in Greece years ago, me, Eric, him, and uh, Brian Gillen, and um, uh, Dermot Barrett, you know, that was, we were only 14, 15, we were only little snotty, you know, those kids running around that time, you know. But since that, like we training camps, I know I know Nicholas Cruz was a, a part of their mm-hmm. their training that time as well. And you know I respect Nicholas; he was a, br- a brilliant coach, you know. And he always like he always like you know he always coached us. But you know the things that he said that he believed in, and he said you're ready for this and all that. You know, I mean, he was a brilliant coach back then as well. I never really knew what happened with him and the Irish and that thing, but he was a very very good coach. But anyway. You know, like, we travelled the world together. Like, Andy was nearly the same age as me. We went to, I actually was going through photos the other day and see them in, um, the Four Nations in Wales. I think Eric has won them up on his page. We went to the, uh, worlds in Cuba and that. But you know, as I say, when you live with all these lads, like, when you live, we're living with all these and growing up with them and training camps every week and for, for months, for weeks, we're in training camps with them. You know, they're, we're they're training partners, but they're also our best friends, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he's and one lad in the ring. <laughs> I know he was heavier than me, Andy, but I often did a few rounds with him. But he's one hard man, <laughs> and he cut the head off. Yeah, he's serious, serious. But for for he's serious talent. When you look down along those ads there, right? And apart from being phenomenal boxers, apart from being accomplished in everything they've ever done. The one thing you look about them is they don't talk shit. They don't say it for the sake of saying it. They talk it as it is, which is by and large the way boxing is. Boxing people will tell it as it is. And um, yeah, none of them are big headed. They're all they're all yeah. down to earth, and they don't go around boasting. Oh, look at me, look at me. I done this, I know that. They're all. And if you met anyone them in the street, and I don't care who you are, stranger, that they will chat to you. They will have a conversation with, you, and they're genuinely lovely fellas and have nice families. Every one of them. There's so many ways I could summarise that interview, but I won't. One of the things Roy was really, really concerned and worried about was upsetting people, offending anyone if he left out names. I put him on the spot a couple of times. I think you're going to, I think you'll agree. He's a special sort of character. That's it for me and them until then. Stay safe. Have a good weekend. Try stay sane. And we'll be back in the next episode with Dennis Hogan. <laughs>